Welcome to the Online Course Masters show where you learn to create, launch, and promote your own online courses. This is episode 81. My co-host Jeremy Deegan and I are so excited to chat with Neil Anderson, an online course creator who is doing amazing on Udemy and with his website. He was averaging over $20,000 a month last year. So we'll hear all about that, how he grew to that figure. And he's doing it with no advertising, no free courses, and using mostly LinkedIn and YouTube to grow his his brand and his email list. So we'll talk all about this. But uh, first, Jeremy, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Doing really well. Excited to chat with Neil. Neil, welcome. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. We're so excited. Where are you? Where are you calling in from today? I'm in northern Thailand. Northern Thailand. That doesn't sound like a Thai accent, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm from Scotland originally, but I've been gone for a long time, so my accent's a bit strange now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, sounds Scottish to me, and we're excited to chat more about that too, and just the I guess digital nomad life that you're living and that a lot of people aspire to to live like so yeah just again thank you for being here and we'll jump into it yeah so uh neil we wanted to start off by just knowing you know what kind of course topics you like to teach and just kind of tell us like what it, what do you love about teaching online what is it that uh that you like doing about teaching the courses that i teach are it courses based around networking mainly because that's something I've been working in for a long time. And what I love about it is I'm my own boss. Like I do this full time now. I don't have any other job. So I can get out of bed whenever I feel like it every day. And I do. I get up around lunchtime or early afternoon normally. I I can take a day off whenever I feel like it. And that's something I do a lot. Or I can just I can do whatever I want with my time anytime. Like today, I was planning on doing some other stuff, but then my daughter came like I, I read with them every day anyway, and I was spending some time with my kids, and I ended up spending like three hours with them when we were only gonna read for half an hour. And there's no problem doing that. You know, I could the, every time I can just do what I want. If my wife says she wants to go to the beach tomorrow, we can take off and go to the beach tomorrow, which is great. You, you can't do that when you're working for somebody else. So I, I really love that. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love that. So you're not one of those people who's waking up at 5 a.m. every day that has your 10-step daily morning routine that <laughs> is the reason you're pr- productive and successful? Because I'm not like that either. Well, I actually do have a morning routine. Because, but it could be in the afternoon, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's just when... And I don't wake up at a set time every day. It's just whenever I I wake up. Like, um, I, I, I meditate for 10 minutes is the first thing I do every day. And I've, re, I've that's really made me realize that if I don't get enough sleep, then my mind is just not there. So I sleep... I try to get eight hours a night. or I, I don't set an alarm, just whenever I wake up. And so when it, whatever hour it is I wake up, that's when I get up and do my little morning routine and then, yeah, get into the day. Very cool. I mean, the thing is you, I know, Jeremy knows, like it takes a lot of work to get to this point where you're working for yourself full time. But like you said, it's it's about the freedom, the time freedom and the freedom to not have to be at a specific workplace 
now that I have kids, they're really young. They're nine months now, but it's still, it's like, I mean, I've, I'm spoiled because I don't know another way where I would have to leave every day and be gone for eight, nine, 10 hours a day and only be able to spend time with them, you know, an hour or so a day. And I just, it's hard for me to, um, you know, imagine wanting or not wanting that, but just living like that. And I'm just so, um, thankful that I can be there for my kids, um, every day of the week and, and to be able to kind of be more present there in their lives. And I think that's what a lot of people are, are trying to do with teaching online. So, uh, yeah, we'll learn more about how you got there with our, our awesome questions coming up. Yeah. So uh, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, how did you get started in teaching online courses and maybe what you were doing before you started teaching? I was a classroom instructor for 10 years before I got into it. But before that, I worked in IT for about 10 years before that as well. And the reason I got into it was when you're working as a classroom trainer, there's always a quiet period around Christmas because customers aren't going to come and do courses then. And it would have been three years ago, there was something I wanted to learn myself over Christmas. I discovered Udemy just through a Google search, searching for the thing that I wanted to learn. And then while I was in there, I saw people teaching the same stuff that I was teaching in the classroom. And... I was actually wrong about this because, you know, normally with Udemy people, especially back then, people would do a lot of free coupons mm -hmm. to get people into their course. But what I saw was I didn't realize that because it, it was the first day I'd ever seen Udemy. And I just saw this course and going by the number of students, I thought the guy had made over a million dollars. <laughs> right? Teaching. The numbers. Yeah. And then I saw the course. I'm like, wow, it's not even very good. I'm like, wow, if this guy can make a million dollars, I'm like, what am I doing working for somebody else in the classroom? I should be doing this. So, yeah, that's how I got into it in the first place. So you were teaching IT in a classroom before you yeah. started. So the transition for you going from teaching to teaching must have been uh, pretty smooth, would you say? Surprisingly not. I I assumed that it would be because because I've been doing it for a long time already. I was very confident of going up in front of a classroom of people and teaching and knowing how to control the class, you know, like the, the traditional classroom trainer stuff. So I thought when I do it to the camera, it's going to be exactly oh, the same yeah. as that. <laughs> and no, no, it's really not. So, I, I mean, for sure that did give me some advantages because I was used to teaching anyway, but I, I was actually really surprised at how different it was doing it to a camera and how mm -hmm. difficult I found it for honestly for about six months now after like because I've been doing it for a, a couple of years now when I do most videos I can do in one take or if there's a lot of technical uh, demonstrations in it it might take me a few takes be, just because I'm something goes wrong with the technical mm -hmm. side of it but if I'm just doing a theory only video and maybe even you know a 10 minute video normally I can do that in one take but when I was first doing it Honestly, it would take me like two hours to do a 10 minute video because I would make mistakes in it. And when I, if I made a mistake in a classroom and I said, um, or ah, or I misspoke, like who cares? I just say, oh, sorry, I, I meant this instead. But when I'm making a video, I'm not going to leave that. I mean, some people do. I think that's I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like edit that out. 
and I was so I'd have to go back and edit it. And because I, I had my face in the picture as well, I didn't want to have like loads of chopping and, you know, jump cuts in there. So, yeah, it was torture at first. But so for anybody that's listening, you know, that is beginning and is going through that right now, it it maybe six months is longer than you were expecting it to take. Like, I didn't think it would take that long. But after that six months is done, I guess it will be different for everybody. It's a lot easier after that. And your production will go a lot quicker and you'll also be a lot slicker with your videos as well. And so you said you started just a couple years ago. When when did you launch your first course on Udemy? I think it was probably closer to three years ago now. I could nice. probably... But pretty recent. I can... Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, so two to three years, something like that. Nice. So you put your first course up on Udemy about three years ago. Uh, it made a million dollars and then you move to Thailand <laughs> and you relax and you're on the beach waking up. Is that how it goes? Right? Like what was, I, what was that first process? Like when you put that course up, did you have an audience? Did you have a website? Like how did you get that course promoted and, and the ball rolling? No audience at all. And no interest in having an audience at all. When I first did it, I, which was Actually, that was one of the like the really good things about Udemy. And I, I listened, I went back and listened to one of your podcasts earlier today, you know, about the different platforms and about the benefits and drawbacks. And you know, that is a big one that not just if you know that it's a lot of work to make your own audience, but I, I'm sure other people would be like me at the start. And I what I didn't really want to have an audience. I didn't want to spend the time and effort doing that. I have now because I realized how valuable it is, but at the time I didn't. So when you're getting started, it's really great that you don't have to do that. So no, it, absolutely no audience at all to start with and none for several months after that. So when you put up that first course, did you just put it out there and kind of let it go to see like if it would make money and did it make money or, or kind of how did that how did that work just putting up your very first course? It made it actually did better than some people at first, but not stellar. So I think it was maybe like about one hundred and fifty dollars the first month. And then it was like a few hundred, a few hundred. And then actually, this is something that I never hear anybody talking about. And I think a lot of people don't realize that you can do on Udemy is I realized that I should opt out of the discount program. Mm -hmm. So after after maybe around three months, I opted out. And the reason was that the, the course I did at the start, the reason I chose that subject was there was no competition at all, no other online course in that field. But a reason for that is that it's a very niche topic. And I've seen other people, and even Udemy say this as well, that when you're researching what course to do, you should look and see, and you know, even not just online courses, all kinds of business, you're normally told if nobody else is doing it, it's because it's a bad idea and it doesn't make any money. But I thought just intuitively, I thought, well, no, this is probably easier for me to start with something that there's zero competition in at all. So I did that. And obviously zero competition because it was it's very niche. And at first, because I was in the discount program and it's only costing 10 bucks because there's not that many people buying it. It was making a few hundred dollars a month. Then I realized I should opt out of the discount program and charge the full price for it which you know nowadays is $200. And it turned out that I wasn't getting that many, a, diff, a huge different amount of students. 
because most of my students are business to business, so they can get their company to pay for it anyway. So they don't care whether it's $10 or $200. And for a company, $200 for training is nothing. So that ended, I ended up getting like 20 times more by making that change. If there had been yeah. loads of, I haven't heard really anybody talking about having success with that, that model. And are you still opted out of the promotions or discounts? I have a couple of different cor main courses. One of them is that one, which is very niche. And there's a little bit of competition there now, but I'm still opted out. So still charging the $200 for that. Uh, my other course, it, there's one where there's loads of competition. It's a very popular subject and I'm opted in there. Hmm. Is that, I didn't even know that was op an option for opting in for specific courses. You have to have two different accounts in Udemy. Got it. So that's why Jeremy was like, I see multiple Neil Anderson accounts <laughs> on Udemy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I get it. And that's actually very smart if you want to do it. And like you said, if it's a super niche course, which you intuitively thought and knew just from your experience would be something important for some people to learn, opting out was a perfect option for you. That's, that's really a good tidbit for, for people. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I like that. Cause then it becomes kind of like a hosting platform with the benefit of having a marketplace also. Um, yeah. So, um, so you, you created that first course and you saw a little bit of revenue from it and it grew a little bit. Uh, what, what happened after that? Like, uh, when did you make your next course and how has your business grown from when you made that first course until now? What, what have you been doing since then? The, the second course was probably about a year later and that, that was a bit unusual in that Udemy actually contacted me and asked me to make a course because they, they saw that the course I had already had really high ratings. So they have this kind of secret program where they get in touch with a few people and work with them to make a mm -hmm. course. So they, they did that with me. Um, uh, but in, in the meantime, something that did make a the huge difference was building my own audience, building my own website. A, a thing I did with that, which again... I, I really never hear anybody say this. You'll see loads of courses about list building or building your audience. And every other one I see always tells you to make like a two-page checklist or something like that as your lead magnet, yeah? Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't do that. I went completely the other way where I made a super high-quality lead magnet, which is a 400-page like a book which for people who are interested in my courses would be super interested in. Mm -hmm. And I, I give it away for free as the lead magnet on the top of my website. And the benefit I get from doing it, so of course it took a lot longer than making a two-page checklist would have, but it has had huge benefit because so many people that are in my audience, basically they, they all would want that. So if they can find out about it, then they're going to sign up. The mm -hmm. other thing is it was really good for SEO because I was a brand new website. So I made this really good resource. And then what I did was I, I just spent a little bit of time looking up every other blogger that is in my niche or in a similar niche. And then I got a freelancer from Upwork to go and find their email addresses, put that into a spreadsheet. And then I emailed them all and I said, hey, I'm a new blogger and I've made this resource, which I think your audience would love. 
But my problem is that nobody knows about it because I'm a new blogger. I'm like, I'd really appreciate it if you could put this in front of your audience. And because the resource was, was, I mean, like if this had been a two-page checklist, looking at it from my point of view, if somebody did that with me and they sent me a two-page checklist that I could do in <laughs> 10 minutes, I'm mm. like, nah, <laughs> maybe I'll share it. I probably won't. But if I got that email and it's, you know, people like to help, right? So if I got an email from somebody saying that a new blogger, can I, can I take a look at this? I look at it and it's amazing. Absolutely for sure. I'm going to share that. Yeah. So then, mm. so I got loads of links from people from that. Plus it did reach all of our audience. So I, I, it really helped with build my list. It also really helped with the SEO from all the links as well. So this is something that does, you know, like take a few weeks or maybe even a month doing it. But the difference between spending that month and making something amazing and mm -hmm. spending 10 minutes and making a two-page checklist, it, it has huge benefits. It's definitely worth doing. Yeah, I, what's like, it, I love that. What's what's in that book? Is it is it like a workbook where there's, you know, things to help uh, teach or fill out? Or is it more kind of uh, instructional? Did you, like, how'd you go about that? I want to hear more about this book. Is it like stuff you took from your courses and put into a book format? How, what, what's it look like? It, it's a lab guide. So, cause I've got my two main courses. I've okay. actually got two books. So at the top of my website, that, the two books are at the top there. Mm -hmm. You can, you can choose one or you can choose the other, or you can take both. They're both lab guides. So one of them is how to build the lab. And I, like, if you don't work in it, this might not make so much sense, but when you're studying something in it, you can learn the theory but to really understand it, you need to get hands-on practice as well. Right. And the way you get the hands-on practice is with a lab. Now, you can go and buy the actual hardware equipment. Obviously, that's really inconvenient and expensive. Often, the different vendors will have software available that you can use to run it for free on your laptop. But usually with that, to get like the really the best out of it, there's often multiple components, which you have to make work together. And it's really not obvious about how to do it. And especially if you're at the beginner stage where you're just learning this, you're not going to know how to do it. So they're both lab guides where, so I tell people how to build the lab and how to get the most out of the lab. So if you are going to, you know, if you're going to be working with this or if you want to learn it, that's a, a super, super useful resource. Cool. And we're kind of diving in deeper with this, but what's the process for someone who downloads your your book, what are you doing with them then? How are you getting them into a course? What kind of funnel does it look like? I actually need to audit this and, and really change it a bit. But the the general idea is, is, is good. It's, well, it's what everybody recommends. So what I do is the first several, several emails are just giving them more free content and more useful stuff. So, you know, the, the normal story you'll hear about this from other people is that when you first meet somebody, you, you don't ask somebody to marry you. When you mm -hmm. first meet, you have to build the trust and get to know them better. So it's it's that. So, yeah, the it, all the emails at the first, for first actually several weeks are just giving them free content, which is, is really useful to them. And then after a while, then I will send them the, the the sales promos for my course. Got it. So is there any sort of automated upsell to the course? Or is it just like when you have a new course, now they're on your list and you'll they'll get those emails? Oh, it's 
yeah, it, yeah. So I use ConvertKit, and it uses ConvertKit sequences, so it's all automated. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. And I think I made the mistake earlier saying you don't use free courses. I think what I meant to say was you don't use free coupons. Send out a bunch of free coupons to your courses, which you clarified. But you do yeah. have free courses that you promote on your website, and you have them on Udemy. And I'm assuming that's another way that you grow your email list, and people get in those free courses, and it's kind of a similar funnel of them getting automated emails to promote another course and then those people getting emails whenever you launch a new course yeah yeah that's right they i don't get anywhere near as many signups from those but i still get like a lot of students from them as well and actually like go to bring it back to the first question about like what i like about it i i actually I like helping people as well. So I don't have any problem with giving people free courses if it gives them really good value. And even if they never buy anything from me later, I don't care. I'm happy that I've helped them. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's another big benefit from it too. Well, I think this strategy of creating an epic book, basically a really, really good lead magnet that is uber helpful in itself is the key to your success and growing your your email list because i think a lot of us and i've made that mistake myself we create lead magnets with the idea of getting leads but maybe the goal should just be i'm going to create an epic lead magnet that is the main purpose is just to be helpful and that's probably going to convert better and the idea of sending it to new uh, other bloggers in your niche mm-hmm. worked for you but it's something that i would have probably thought oh that might be like a waste of time because who's going to be <laughs> sharing a uh, someone some new bloggers website um when maybe that person could would rather create something themselves but it worked for you which is which is awesome i i think it's a little bit niche specific mm-hmm. for example if you were in marketing and you sent that out to people in marketing, they're going to know exactly what you're doing. And <laughs> you're a new guy, but like, who's not? But because I work in IT, most people that are IT bloggers, they have, they have no awareness of marketing at all. And they're just in it because it's something they enjoy. It, yeah. Like almost all of them, they don't sell anything themselves either. So they're not a competitor at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, giving the, be careful of the way I say this. I'm giving them the impression that we're all in it together and it's a community thing and we're helping. And I don't, by that, I don't mean that I'm taking advantage of them because in that email I send out, I make it very clear in there as well that anytime they need any help from me, just ask. And I mean it. And if they, if they don't share my thing or they don't help me at all and they come and ask me for help later, I'm still going to help them. And the ones that do help me, of course, I'm going to help them. So there, there is, I am building a community too. You know, the whole thing is, is it, you know, you don't do everything just to make money. You're also doing it to help people and to mm-hmm. build relationships as well. And it all ties in together. Yeah. And that's that's a common theme that we see talking to other people, having these interviews, is that the ones who go out and make the focus on teaching people, helping people and focusing on the student seem to have the most success. 
Um, I think if you're in it for just the money and uh, you're just trying to make a quick buck, you're not going to stay in the long game and your head's not in the right place. And those people end up usually not making it. So it's good to hear that. Um, I want to, we're going to talk a little bit more about your courses, but I do want to follow this path just a little longer. So you create this epic, uh, this book, you send it out to some influencers who helped you get it promoted. What are you doing now to get people to that book? Do you have a blog, a podcast, YouTube channel, or using social media? How are you getting people to that now? Yeah, I have a YouTube channel and I have a blog. That's something I do hear that I never really hear other people talking about as well is honestly, I, I like making videos better than I do making the blog post. If I was to write something from scratch, I would start, I think, what am I going to write about? And I wouldn't enjoy it so much. It's funny because writing those lab guides, I quite enjoy that, but it's more a process thing. Writing a blog would not be so much fun for me. So how I get that content is I just take my video, I upload it to rev.com, I get them to make the transcript for me, and then on my blog post, it's the video at the top of the page, and then it's the transcript. So obviously I need to have a transcript as well because Google is not going to find me just from video content, so I need the text there so that they can crawl it. So yeah, I have the video at the top and then just under the video, I have a, a testimonial where people can click through to the course and also down at the bottom, I have some useful links and I also link to the course there as well. So it's got the video and it's got the text as a tutorial. And that way it saves me having to think up new content. It saves me having, you know, starting with a blank page. I just yeah. take my video that I have in the course anyway and use that as a text and as for the entire blog post. Cool. That's a great kind of more automated way to create your blog post um, and get that SEO traffic. Super cool. Um, you talked a little bit about link, using LinkedIn um, versus like spending a lot of time on social media like Facebook and other things. Um, have you experimented with the other social media platforms and just realized LinkedIn is better for you and your audience or why, why are you having more success with LinkedIn? Yes. With experimenting, I've, I've done so much experimenting before I got into this, I didn't know anything about marketing at all. And it's been really interesting. Like it's been really fun for me. So I've tried everything and stuck with what works and thrown out what hasn't. So Facebook just does not work for me because I'm purely really a business to business space. And it seems that people are not going on Facebook looking for what I offer. But on LinkedIn, it's you know more a B2B place. So I, I post there and I have a lot. Everything is automated really for my social media. And yeah, LinkedIn does well for me. So LinkedIn and YouTube are the two big ones for me. Cool. Very cool. I actually, I, I, because I'm sure your audience will love, everybody always loves hearing about tools as well. So another thing that I'm sure they won't know of, if they do, if they're in a business to business space and they use LinkedIn, there's a tool called Linked Helper, which is awesome. Got it, it. it. What you can do with that is you can search for people so you can do very, very targeted searches. So you can search for exactly your audience and then you can automate sending them a connection request and you can also automate sending them a message after they've accepted it as well. And that's called linked oh, nice. helper? Linked helper, yeah. 
Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes too. So if you go to onlinecoursemasters.com and head over to the podcast for this episode, you can check out those show notes. Um, I wanted to ask you, let's go back to the the course creation uh, process a little bit more. Um, So what is it that um, people really love about your your courses? And and the question that I really want to ask is, you know, talking to everyone else listening, uh, what can others do to make their courses better? One thing that I noticed on some of your courses, and I think you even said that, you know, you're one of the instructors who likes to answer questions um, inside of your course and make sure you get to those questions. And I saw, I was looking through some of your reviews on your, your courses and people were really happy that you were actively engaged inside of the course answering questions. Um, so obviously I would like to know, um, is that a strategy of yours and, and how do you handle that and, and what else can, can people do to make their courses better? Yeah. So I, right from the start, I always made it a policy that I would answer every single student question. Again, this comes back to wanting genuinely wanting to help people. And because when I was first learning this, I took some Udemy courses myself. And sometimes I would ask questions in there and get no response. And when that happened, and I saw that when this happened to me, that I took it very personally and I was upset about it. And now that I, I'm more experienced myself, I'm sure, you know, it's not personal. It's just maybe, you know, people can be really busy and not have time to do it. But as a student, that seems like it's a personal slight on you, mm-hmm. you, you and it's upsetting. So, of course, that affects how happy people are with the course. So, yeah, I, I answer every single student question. That was getting out of hand. So <laughs> around around one month ago, I actually hired somebody to do that cool. for me. And he's worked out great. So that's freed <laughs> up about yeah. two hours a day for me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's good. When you have one course, uh, one course answering questions isn't so bad. When you start getting eight, 10, 20, or in Phil's case, over a hundred courses, <laughs> it can get a little tedious. So what, yeah. um, other than, you know, being active in the course and answering questions, what else ca- would you recommend for others um, to make their, their courses a little bit better? Really focusing on quality. And I know that sounds completely obvious, but like things about that. Like I said earlier, I've seen courses where people make a mistake, they misspeak, and then they don't edit it out. They just correct themselves in the video. And I'm thinking it's a recorded video. You know, you can go back and edit that. So never do stuff like that. Other stuff that I do on, on the actual production quality is I normally when people are are first learning this, or if you see anybody course, anybody's course about it, there's always the same equipment that people get recommended to use and the same software, which if you're using a PC is going to be Camtasia and the equipment is going to be the Logitech C920 camera and the microphone is going to be the Blue Yeti. That's, that's what I always see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I did my first course, I the room that I was in, was it was like purpose-built to be the worst possible room to record in. Because here in Thailand, it's hot, right? So we don't have any carpets. We have tiled floors. And this room, I, it was the only room that I had available to do it in. And it was big with tiled floors and concrete walls and a bay window. So it was just like an echo chamber. And the audio was terrible. Oh, and also motorbikes were going past every five minutes as well. It was just the worst place. So I ended up always recording at 3 a.m., but it was still pretty terrible. So if you look at my courses now, compare them to that first course and now, 
the production quality is completely like night and day. So what, and it doesn't cost that much more. So the, like the equipment I use, I've got this DBX286X, which is a preprocessor. And for filtering out background noise, this thing is like magic. I was amazed <laughs> at how good, it's like amazing. And that, that was $200. So if you look at, you know, the Blue Yeti, I think is about $100 or something like that, I'm guessing. So it's a bit more, but it's it's like a few hundred more. You're not talking about having to spend thousands. So if you if you do want to, that was like the one single piece of kit that made the biggest difference to my audio and quality was that DBX286S. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. You do also need to get this Focusrite adapter as well because it doesn't have a USB connector on it. But you get those two, and if if you have if you're anywhere with background noise, it will completely remove all background noise. It also has all these other settings that like the compressor and stuff like this that a lot of other people do in post after they've recorded. So that saves me loads of time. I don't have to do anything in post because it's all in the settings here. I just record it one shot and then I can render it and I'm done. And the the, the audio quality is so much better than when I started for maybe an extra $400, something like that. So, you know, it's more money. And maybe when you're starting out, that's $400 you don't want to spend until you know that you're definitely making it back. But it's, it's not going to break the bank. That's, so, yeah, yeah, and that's awesome to be doing that sort of processing while, <laughs> while you're recording and you just don't have to think about it in post it. And so that's the sort of the processor. But what's the microphone you're using now? I'm using a Shure SM7B. Sure, SM7B. Which I think was about $500. And to be honest with you, I don't think that made that much difference. I think I probably could have got a microphone for 150 or 200 XLR, which, you know, a third of the price of this. And I don't think it would have made a huge difference. Got it. But the processor absolutely has. Cool. Uh, nice. Another thing is for the video, I use a DSLR camera that was about four or five hundred dollars as well. The difference between that and the Logitech is <laughs> massive as okay. well. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, we got some more questions, but we do have to go to a quick ad break and we'll be back in just one second. This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. With over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their very first online course and for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com slash academy to join today. All right, we're back. And I want to ask you just about, uh, you mentioned living in Thailand. That's something that uh, when I was getting started, that was kind of the, the dream was to be able to travel the world and be that sort of digital nomad. Um, what kind of why why did why are you living in thailand and i guess talk a little bit about the pros and cons of this lifestyle for people listening why i'm living here actually i was living here before i started doing online courses so back when when i was 29 i went backpacking at the time i had an awesome job 
And all my friends said I was crazy quitting this job to go travel, but I did it anyway. And I was gone for a little over a year. And just before I came home, I met my wife in Thailand. So that was, I think, about 16 years ago. So we've been married for 16 years now. And just Congrats, when, that's awesome. <laughs> when she came back to Scotland at first, and Scotland's kind of cold. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of benefits Thailand has over Scotland. So when we got back to Scotland, we said, you know what, let's let's go move to Asia. So again, nothing to do with online courses, but I, I managed to build my resume up so that I could work anywhere. So I did that, moved to a company in Australia where I was traveling around Asia. That, that was a job where I was a classroom trainer. It was quite high-end training that we did. So they would just fly me somewhere different every week in Asia. And so while I was doing that, I moved to Thailand around 11, 12 years ago. And so I was already here. But the thing was that it was kind of dependent on that job. If I, if that, And that company sometimes had difficulties. And if they'd gone under, then it would have put me in a difficult situation where I probably could have stayed here by finding work for somebody else, but it would have been very stressful. And now I don't have any stress at all. I know that everything's fine. I'm not relying on anybody else. I don't have to worry about anything happening to somebody else's company. I, I, I've got complete responsibility for myself. It's, it's a lot better. That's pretty, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, kind of tying that in though with your journey, talk a little bit about how you went from making a few hundred dollars the first month to averaging $20,000 a month last year. I mean, on one hand, that's incredible. I mean, obviously, that's incredible to make that much money. But it's also potentially some people would think it a little scary to be able to, you know, grow so fast. And it could disappear if Udemy went down, if your business went down, if you were hacked, if all the thing, if poop hit the fan and uh you know everything went down i guess how how do you stay confident that this is going to to last for the the future you need to diversify so you can't just be on udemy but really if you were just on udemy and didn't have your own website that would limit the amount of money you can make anyway because you're not driving people there yourself. And also you're getting that 50-50 split rather than the 97% when they use your coupons. So you want to have your own website and not just be on Udemy. So I'm actually getting more to having courses on my own website now using Teachable for that. I also make some money here and there, like with some affiliate marketing, which breaks. So that when I'm last year, when I was averaging $20,000 a month, probably I guess around twelve or thirteen thousand dollars of that each month would have been on Udemy. Mm -hmm. Then I would make maybe one thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a month from affiliate programs. I also did my own coaching as well. So that was done online and it included my course, but I also did live coaching with the students as well. So if you if Udemy went away, then it would have been very easy for me just to shift things to my own website. Mm -hmm. And maybe I would have had a, short, a temporary hit with that, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made a huge difference, I don't think. Got it. Cool. Well, yeah, diversifying is so important. Uh, just a couple more questions because we're running out of time over here. But before the call, we were talking about uh, just over the past year, 
you know, real, recognizing what your why is. And you just mentioned doing live training and you talked about to us before the call, that's, that's something that you kind of cut out. Can you just kind of talk about, you know, the past year, what, what has gone on and I guess how has that made your business and your life better, really focusing on what's most important to you? Yeah. So I was doing that live coaching before. So I would have a, it run in six week chunks. And the first week I would do a one-on-one call with every student and I would do a one-on-one call with every student at the end as well. So I limited it to a maximum of 20 students because of that, but still doing 20 one-on-one calls in a week is quite a lot of work. Right. And then after that, the weeks in the middle, I would do the, the, the group call with each of them. But also I made myself available over email and I would get a lot of emails. And because these people were paying a higher price than Udemy, I was charged, it was $500 for the, the six week program. And when I compare that to Udemy, it seems so much to me at that point. So I thought, yeah, I've got to give these guys, you know, amazing service. So I would answer them within a few hours, almost always over email. So that was a lot of extra work. But the main thing, what like, you know, when you heard me talking earlier, I love being able to do anything whenever I want to, not being tied down. I can take off anytime I want. When I had that live coaching, it was at a scheduled time. So mm-hmm. I would they would be in my calendar and I had to be available at that time. I also had to be available really every day because I wanted to answer the emails quickly as well. Now I've cut that out. So I have no fixed schedule at all, really. Occasionally I'll have meetings with people, but very rarely. So yeah, and it's actually caused me to be making quite a bit less this year, but I'm making more than I need. And, you know, once you get up to a certain level where it pays all of your normal expenses and also maybe you can save a little so you get a bit of a safety buffer there as well, you really need more money. And no, and definitely if if your life can be happier with less, there's no point in making more. You know, do whatever makes you happy. Yeah, that's right. I, I can completely occur with that, especially this past year my twin sons being born and really taking a step back to realize what's most important. I think I was on this path of like trying to be the biggest, most successful online course teacher on Udemy off of Udemy. But this year I've just kind of let go of a lot of that. And I, one, I can't do that if I'm not spending, you know, more 40 plus hours a week on this outsourcing a bunch of stuff and um, always coming up with new content, experimenting and doing that kind of stuff. It's just too much to handle. Um, And so now I'm, I work less than 20 hours a week and thankfully I've built this business up to kind of be recurring. And like you said, I make way more than I need to. And there's no reason for me to kind of stress out over trying to make more money when I can just kind of let go and, you know, enjoy my time with, the family and, and yeah, that's what life's all about. So yeah, I, I like what you said because I've found myself too, that the more successful that I've gotten, I've actually have like let go of more things like physical material things in my life. There was a point where we were seeing success and then started buying 
stuff. And lately we've been just like purging and getting rid of things because it's like, you don't need all this. You know, we come from a one bedroom house where a nightstand was our, you know, TV stand and <laughs> we had nothing. Now we're in a five bedroom house and it's like, we filled the whole thing up and it's like, what is all this yeah. stuff? Like, so we've been, we've been cutting back ourselves. So it's, it's good to hear you say that also, you know, that you can have that success, but you can also, you don't need to live above your means and have all that extra. So we need to uh, get wrapping up. I want to know what is your final piece of advice for someone who wants to get into teaching online courses, but hasn't started yet? Well, this is probably the same as what everybody will say, I imagine, which is just do it. You've got nothing to lose a little bit of time, but you know, the upside is going to be so massive if it works out. So give it a go see how it is if you like it then definitely do it and if you end up going full time from it later it completely changes your life awesome man well neil i feel like we could continue to chat and dive into so many of these topics deeper and continue to just learn from you so i mean i'd love to have you back in the future for another uh, interview but we do have to wrap it up anybody who wants to find out more about neil and his website flackbox.com all of his courses will have all the links in the show notes at onlinecoursemasters.com slash 81 that's where you'll find all of the show notes for this episode and yeah, we're just going to wrap it up. If you haven't left a review for this show, please do so on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, shout out to one review. Uh, Jordan Scroble wrote, my wife and I recently became interested in developing online courses and we found this podcast about two months ago. I really appreciate the detail and format of these podcasts, especially the series from this year, which must have been season two, I believe. Uh, very valuable and useful information. Uh, in a clear and concise manner. I love the little conversational banner at the beginning of the podcast, which kind of set the mood and allow you to ease into the topic. Thanks, Phil and Jeremy. Thank you, Jordan, for the review. And to anybody that will leave a review after this episode, we appreciate it. Check out onlinecoursemasters.com as well for the academy to join our community of fellow online course creators. And if you're brand new to teaching online courses, uh, check out our free five-day course creation challenge. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. So again, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back ne next week with another episode. And Neil and Jeremy, I hope you have a great day and best of luck, Neil, with your, your business in the future and can't wait to connect again. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Neil.